What names and logos are, are just names and logos. What your brand is, is something different. Your brand, ultimately, I believe, um, is it's the promise that you're making. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership to the next level. I'm your host, Kent Ingle, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, vice president for innovation. And we are excited today to introduce our guest for today's show, Eric Christensen. He's a nationally recognized, award-winning strategic communications leader. Eric also serves as the executive director of College Sports Communicators, the international organization of athletic communications, sports creatives, and media relations professionals throughout all levels of uh, collegiate athletics in the United States and Canada. Eric, what a privilege to have you with us today. Ken, Michael, it's a real privilege for me to be here as well. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, I want to get the conversation started on Talking about the landscape of, of college athletics right now, tell us a little bit about what's been changing, especially over the last two, three, uh, four years, and, and where you see the future of college uh, athletics going. Yeah, it's a really dynamic space if you're paying any attention to college sports at all mm-hmm. uh, right now. And I think that and college sports is, is played at all levels in the U.S. and, and Canada. And, and, and I think that with all of the discussions about mm-hmm transfer portals and name image and likeness right, right. and at the at the highest levels the, the the revenue is very high i think it's one fundamental question that everyone keeps coming back to is what is the status of a student athlete in relation to their campus are they a student or are they an employee and i think that mm, is the main issue yeah. and that's what across the board uh what leaders in college sports are working i worked on that for a long time i was at the nca for almost 20 years and um, it, it's a, as I mentioned, it's a dynamic space. Sure. The, the the solutions are not are not easy ones. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so that is something that's really driving that conversation. And what is that going to look like? And one of the interesting elements of that then is that we're talking about a fairly small number of schools, fifty to sixty, maybe a hundred at the top level, that are the highest profile that are right. on television every Saturday. Right. They're yeah. playing during March Madness, right? But then you have everyone else, right? right. And so it's kind of like the campaign I used to work on when I was at the NCA. There's 500,000 student athletes. Most are going to go pro in something other than sports. And mm. so I, I'm, I'm really hopeful that uh, as decisions get made, as solutions start right. to be contemplated, that that, that is kept in mind um, as well. Right. And then I would say the other one, and you know, this is squarely in, in our space as well, when we think about then communications and the importance of it then to mm college athletics and to higher education, I can hardly think of another area within that framework that has changed more, going from the old trifold brochures and web pages to now digital and social media and creative. That that space is fast changing and it's continuing to change. That's part of the reason that that I was recruited for this role. It's driven a lot of change in our organization, why we rebranded. Mm. And, and so we're we're really keeping our eye on the ball in terms of what does that change look like? How can we help provide solutions then for our members and for college sports and higher education? Yeah, yeah and we have a, you know a lot of parents listen to this podcast and they've got students of athletes, students who come through Southeastern University, but then across the board. What are some advice you're giving to you would give to these families, to these young athletes as they're navigating this fear? What questions do they need to be asking? How do they need to be you think about to manage this critical part of their student athlete's life? You know, fit is so important. Um, mm. Whether you're considering athletics or maybe you're not going to be right. a, an athlete in, in college and 
and my my youngest son is a junior in high school and 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 he's a pretty good athlete and he's starting to be recruited yeah. so I, i'm right there personally I used to tell people this a long time and now i'm, I'm living it out mm. you really have to find that place that's that yeah. right fit yeah. mm-hmm. um and and the 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 athletics piece and the academics piece because yeah. they're not mutually exclusive that's right. that's the beauty of it in terms of american higher yeah. education and athletics that is built into it. When I was at the NCA, repeatedly we hosted delegations from countries around the world, and they would come to Indianapolis to the national office and say, "How do you do that? Yeah, how do you right. build athletics into an academic environment?" And Ben, again, back to the main yeah. question, that's one of those things that people are really questioning today, right. and I hope really continues to be the main thing. How does yep. athletics happen within that academic environment? So that's what I encourage my friends and other parents mm-hmm. and, and and even students to be thinking about. It has to be the right fit right. for you, whatever Absolutely. that might be, yeah. Yeah. and it might be a, a wonderful institution like Southeastern, right? right? Or it might be a different one, mm-hmm. but but find that place that is ultimately that right fit. Yeah, yeah, so good. You know, uh, through your previous experiences, you provided a lot of strategic leadership and, and oversaw a lot of media relations and crisis management. What are some of the lessons you've learned uh, throughout your experience in leading that way? I would say the biggest um, that that comes back to me every time is really thinking about what are you trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, is it are you in a reactive posture or a proactive one? Right. And, and and the way that I like to frame this now, particularly when we're still trying to lead in this way with our our organization, are you focused on output mm-hmm. or outcome? Mm-hmm. And the difference there is outcome is you're thinking about what do you want to influence? Are you trying to help people better understand your institution? Are you trying to um, persuade your donors to consider a larger gift? Are you trying to persuade Mm -hmm. those parents to send Mm -hmm. that child to your college? Whatever that might be. Output then is more of the, oh, we're going to focus on how many things are we posting online? Yeah. How many, um, you know, infographics did we have on, on on social media? And not tying that back to the main issues in your brand. And so, th- really, when I think about that, and in, in the the course of a long career now, is really thinking about it, really, really, really pushing organizations mm-hmm. and leaders to say, are you really leaning into outcome? Because it's really easy yeah. then to just focus on output and oh, look how many posts we had right, today, or right, how many videos right, yeah. we, but the, or how many podcasts we we had. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. but did you reach the audience you wanted, you wanted to, reach? to reach? Did you re- did you achieve the result you were seeking yeah. in that way? And does it ultimately map back to your brand? Yeah. I love oh, it. That's good. Love it, love it. And you know, you just mentioned a second ago that you part of your work you uh, led a rebranding effort, right? And the kind of the work that you're doing. Um, tell us about what does that process look like? I mean, how does it? How what did it take to lead uh, through that change, uh, not just internally, but also through all the kind of the changes that's happening macroeconomics level? It, w- it was really interesting for me because I was still on staff at the NCA, and of course, an important stakeholder with our organization and a, and a mm-hmm. sponsor at that time. And I was on a national strategic branding working group, and so yeah. I'd say that's the first part: is you have to be collaborative right, in right, that right. way and bringing people with a variety of perspectives. Uh, then I had the great opportunity to move into this role as executive director and kind of help finish that that process. And I think the biggest thing and where we were really able to be successful was moving beyond just thinking about a new name and a new logo. Mm-hmm. Because what names and logos are are just names and logos. What your brand is is something different. Yeah. Your brand, ultimately, I believe, yeah. um, is it's the promise yep. 
that you're making right. yep. to all of your stakeholders. And mm-hmm. that was something that that really was the game changer for us. Once okay. we started looking at, okay, what what is that promise that mm-hmm. we're making? We're moving beyond what had been a very traditional and successful yep. organization for a long time, focused on the term that is sometimes used of sports information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, back to the earlier part of our conversation, communications has entirely changed. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, yes, there's sports information. But there's media relations, and there's strategic, and there's creative, and there's digital. And the reason we're all sitting here today is is a a great example of that. And so that was really that pivot point for us where we moved from just thinking about doing something because we think we should – to something that we, we've really now been communicating for an right. effect. Yeah, no, that's good. You know, in the last few years, you've had a lot of experience leading remotely, um, and you've obviously, you know, you're based in Indianapolis, but you have staff members spread all throughout the country. Uh, how have you kept a, a successful uh, and crucial team in those kind of conditions, remotely, what have been some of the challenges you face and how have you overcome them? We're a fully remote organization, which is great. I think most of the time there are challenges. I think we have to be open about mm-hmm. that sure. and honest about yeah. that. So we have staff in virtually every time zone now yeah. Uh, yeah. Of, of the country. And so, and we'd always been a fully remote organization. So in many ways, I inherited a staff that had more experience than me even. Okay. And so I think as a leader, then what you have to do is you have to lean into that and really start to figure out, what are the ways that your staff have found to be successful? Right. What might you need to change in order to to do that? And then also to set those expectations for what that looks like from a, a, a leadership perspective as well. So yeah. clearly we have lots of lots of Zoom calls. We use a lot of the appropriate technology to 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 stay connected. And I think it's an iterative process, right? right. It's not something right. that is just a, you put it out on the sheet and it, and it works. Instead, you, you really look at mm-hmm. how that is, is best achieved. And let me give you one example of that, where we were coming up on our national convention. We run that every year. It's a big part of our, our work. We're bringing almost 1,000 people together, thinking about how we can do our work uh, better. And we were working on a lot of our kind of marketing activations, and we were trying to do that remotely. And I, I, I just admittedly was having a hard time wrapping my head. Right. Around it, so I finally reached out to my director of communications and brand strategy, and I said, "You know, I think there are times when sometimes you just have to sit across the table, and and make mm-hmm. these kinds of decisions." And so, so we did. I got an airplane, I went to Colorado, yeah. and in a day we got it all done. And so, what I would suggest then to those who are in that space or thinking about being in is, pick your spots. There are right. times when you need to get together in person, even if you're fully remote. Yeah, and, and speaking of that, how, how do you create that camaraderie, that synergy, mm-hmm. when, when you're isolated a little bit uh, and, uh, and on your own, you, you kind of miss that dynamic. So how do you really keep that fresh and alive and, and real? Right, exactly. I think the first part is to be really clear about your mission Okay. and make sure that everyone is, is bought in, understands mm-hmm. where you're going. So driving change can be a little bit difficult regardless of what in, right. environment you're in. So to be really clear on your mission, develop those tools where you have those regular touch points. And I believe as a leader that you have to be sensitive to how one person might want that type of interaction Versus another, another yep. sure. Down to is it a Zoom call or a phone call? Yeah, right. right? Is right. it a Slack message or email? Is right. it a mm-hmm. is it a text or something different? And then what what we try to do then is look for those strategic opportunities where yeah. we can connect in person. Right. 
at our national convention, we bring our, our executive board and our staff to the NCAA convention wow. each year, something I helped initiate when I was still on staff there. Mm -hmm. So we look for those strategic opportunities. I brought the team to Indianapolis last year for a couple days of strategic planning. Mm -hmm. And so using your resources in that way, I think is really is really wise. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, it's a good use of resources. It's not, it's not extra mm -hmm. work, it's part of the work. Yeah, you know, I mean, since the pandemic, uh, the question has been is 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 remote work the future right are we all going to be just remote distributed you know i think we're seeing across the board the 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 recoil right the 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 reaction to that um what do you think where do you think this is going to go i mean obviously you guys are a remote first company so it was embedded to you from the beginning but for these companies that had to make a pivot and now they're in that identity crisis where do you think it's going and what advice would you give them to help like so move forward that identity crisis. Yeah, I, I would. I would encourage them to really come at it from uh, a, a different question, and that is, what are we trying to accomplish? Mm. And then, what is the right environment to yeah. to accomplish what you're what you're trying to yeah. deliver? And I think what's really great is that a lot of organizations realize now that that doesn't have to be a five day a week right. in yeah. the office. Right type of mm -hmm. um, approach. I, I don't think that's what employees really are looking for mm -hmm. anymore. And I have a son now who's in the workforce working for a major corporation, and it's two to three days a week mm -hmm. in the office and, and hybrid. And and uh, you know it's, it's part of the culture there. And we were even doing some of that at the NCA when I was mm -hmm. still there, in part because of COVID. I, yep. think, I think COVID accelerated right. these things. I, I think eventually we would have got to them. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I think COVID really kind of put it on fast, fast mm -hmm. forward. But I think it's coming back to what... What, what's your business? What is your organization? What are you trying to accomplish? And then what's the right way to do that? And then, you know, for most organizations, your greatest assets are your people, yeah, exactly. right? They absolutely exactly. are. So, yeah. so you have to listen. You have to be mindful of that and think about how can you support them in every sort of way. And I, I, I do believe that it's always going to, there, there's going to be a remote element. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, certainly there are some industries where that's not necessarily sure. the case, but, but I think for most now, I think there's some element right. of, yeah. of, of the, that. For the knowledge workers, it's here to stay. It I is. Th there's some version, flex work, it's here to stay if, if you're working there. And so I love it. Thanks for that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, throughout your leadership, you've done a lot of uh, collaborating uh, work uh, with with your own organizations as well as others. What have you found are key principles uh, to building really long term relationships with others in in kind of the professional landscape? Yeah, I'm 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 actually really passionate about this subject, so I appreciate you um, you know raising it. It's something that I've just placed a priority on really, you know, throughout my career, starting as a journalist, where you have to develop sources, yep. right, right? right? And you don't get anything done until you develop you those relationships. Right. Working in, in government mm -hmm. and at a major university and now at a national level, you have to work together. And I think really first approaching that and showing people that you care, um, a, a quote that I really, really like from from St. Thomas Aquinas, mm. you know, who defined love as willing the good of the other. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I think that is a great place to start when you're trying to work with yep. people and collaborate with them. Show them that you care, mm. that you really are there to learn about what they're working on and how you might be able to then come alongside, help provide a solution. Maybe another mm -hmm. way to say that is dig the well before you're thirsty, yep. yeah. right? So that you're not in a crisis type of mm -hmm. mode. Yeah. And then you're having to, uh, oh, nice to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's figure out this crisis. Right. Instead, you've got the relationship. So at the end of the day, we're, we are really talking about 
relationships, yeah. how to build them, yeah. and how to show people that you yeah. care. I love That's it. Good. I love it. And so tell us, what advice would you give to like a young collegiate athlete in this sphere? Like how do they go out, start building that professional network, you know, in, in whatever they're doing? I think the, the one of the great elements of collegiate athletics is the environment mm-hmm. that you're in, right? You've got a built-in network on your team, number one, then with your coaches, mm-hmm. then within your athletics department, and then within your campus yeah. at large. And what I would tell anyone is you've got to take advantage of all of those situations um, and, and be proactive yep. in that. Set up time with your coach. Tell them what you're interested in. Set up time with that professor where you feel mm-hmm. like you've connected. Let them know what you're interested in. One of the challenges for student athletes nowadays is because they're so busy between yeah. athletics and academics, yeah. they might not have chance to have an internship, right? right. study abroad. My counsel when I talk to, to um, college students about that is, well, you have not because you ask not, yeah. right? right. Yeah. So lean into that. Have a conversation with somebody, let them know what you're interested in, and then start to look at, is there a potential solution mm-hmm. um, there? Because once you start to do that and take advantage of those networks that are right around mm-hmm. you, you, you just never know what doors yeah. might open yeah. for you. And, yeah. and, and so that's, that, I think, is one of the great parts of higher education yeah, is absolutely. you've got those networks exactly. in yeah. place and you can take advantage of them. Yeah. We're going to move into our fire round and just ask a few quick questions surrounding everything we've kind of talked about. Just uh, always want to grab some good practical and applicable pieces of advice from your experience for all of our listeners. So let's begin. Just three quick questions. Michael, fire away. All right. First question. How can college athletes establish and maintain strong relationships with their coaches and their teammates? Be intentional. Yep. Be proactive. Make it a priority. It's critical. Yeah. Why is effective communication uh, important for college athletes in in their careers, both on and even off the field? I think what more and more people realize now is that effective communications is not a bonus or extra. It is vital to your success. It doesn't matter in what field you're in. It doesn't matter what career you're in. And it starts when you're a student athlete. And if you focus on that and be intentional, um, it will really, really benefit you for a lifetime. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Last question. How can college athletes prepare themselves for a successful career after athletics is done? Take advantage of those resources that are on your campus. Mm -hmm. Connect with your coaches connect with your fellow teammates, connect with your professors, lean into everything that is there on your campus and and take advantage of that. It's more than just going to class and going to practice. It's taking advantage of everything that's available to you. Networking at every level. That's so good. Well, Eric, want to thank you for joining us today on Framework Leadership. I'm grateful for your insight that you've provided all of our listeners. Just an awesome privilege to have you here. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Yeah, and if you want to stay up to date with Eric, you can check him out on X at Call Sports Eric, C-O-L-L-S-P-O-R-T-S, Eric, E-R-I-K. Great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on Framework Leadership Podcast. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on Framework Leadership. If you're watching on YouTube right now, now would be a great time to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button so you can get more leadership content right into your YouTube feed. You can also check us out on Instagram at Kent underscore Ingle at Dr. Michael Steiner or on Twitter and YouTube at Kent Ingle. And hey, if you love great email newsletters, and I know that I do, you want to check out the Framework Leadership Newsletter. Every single Friday drops in great tips to be a better leader, resources, thoughts right into your inbox. Check it out. You can sign up at kentingle.com. Make sure you hop onto there. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership. Take care, everybody.